much, please, until you let go of what is seen. I'm talking about your money. Uh, yeah, this entire time I've been a cop and haven't told you about it. I'm really sorry about that. Uh, what about all that weed I've smoked on air? <laughs> Man, I couldn't smell it through Zoom, so you're 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 clear. Plus, I don't know what kinds of backwards ass laws y'all got in Georgia. The tobacco, the tobacco is really good. <laughs> I need some of that tobacco. Just as long as you weren't vaping anything flavored in New York State, you'll be all right. Because that that, oh, that, no. that shit is highly illegal here. But you can do just about anything else. I can't walk down the street without smelling pot because that's legal. But you know, God forbid you Pot's should. Pot's legal in New York now. Yeah, yeah. Well, it hasn't. So it's voted through, and but they're working on like what the structure. Like, so there's no dispensaries yet. Um, but it's definitely been decriminalized. So people like not like not like anybody gave a shit anyway. They were right. smoking on the corners. It was down the street. You smell it all the time. Nobody gives a shit. Not in the city. Maybe uh, like outside of New York City, it right. was a bigger deal. But yeah. Huh. But now it's legal, so we all gonna get fucked up. Or it's something. not legal here, and it doesn't look like it's gonna be legal for a long time. Yeah, how did Virginia get it so quick? Is what I was always surprised by. Virginia, I mean, being a southernish state, got it yeah. passed. Different types of southerners. <laughs> Down here we have hoity-toity southerners. Like, oh Lord, I would never, I would never ever what? put my lips but, on a marijuana cigarette. You, yeah, I wouldn't eat that <laughs> marijuana pill if you paid me to. I heard that stuff is dangerous, at least other things. <laughs> like cousin <Mark>? fucking. <laughs> God, no, 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 no. <laughs> Up in Virginia, they've got like the moonshiner breed of rednecks. Okay, but okay. Or, but but you're you're basically in Florida. Yeah. How's Florida not legalized? Uh, Florida has legalized it. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, medically legal in Florida. Everything except the actual flower. So okay. you can have edibles, you can have pills, you can have like vapes, you can have oils. But you have to have a stuff. medical card for it. You have, to have a medical card, and you still can't get the actual like bud if you're in Florida. You can't get the flower, just edibles and stuff like that. Well, medical is always like the step to the recreational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if I wanted to, I could drive 10 minutes south. If I live 10 minutes south of where I do now, I could medically ingest marijuana. But being that I'm above the Georgia border, no, (laughs) I cannot. (laughs) It's crazy, man. Any other country, that'd be, like, foreign, you know? That'd be so weird. Yeah. Yeah, Like, we live in a country that has 50 individual countries inside of the country. States rights, baby. States rights. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i you know i don't i you know i'm not a I, i'm definitely gonna go bury my flag on it but i'm not i'm not so terribly opposed to states rights because it really gives you a clear indicator of which states not to go to you know but it's like i'm not i'm not going over there no no <laughs> you can keep my ass out of oklahoma i'm just sorry <laughs> God, i would never want to step foot i live in georgia and i don't want to go to oklahoma <laughs> what did they have that, lost nothing but bombers th- and the tiger king so, <laughs> Three of our Oklahoma visitors, or listeners, not visitors, have just left uh, the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened with you this week, well, man? How you been doing? We haven't we haven't recorded in a while. Life is pain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be positive and uplifting, Dalton. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I got one this week. Well, you, right, do, well you do. Wait, we did introduce you on Twitter, which I, I need to start introducing you as uh, the the white trash heartthrob Dalton. Um, given your shenanigans on the Fourth of July, you know, a baby over here drinking the freedom juice. You know, uh, <laughs> out there uh, grilling burgers and shotgunning, lovely, majestical, tasty PBR in a crop in, top. In a crop top, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I, I had so much confidence in that crop top, right? Listen, <laughs> it shot through the roof. So I'm not in the best shape right now. I could be in better shape. But the minute I cut the midriff off that shirt, boy, oh boy, I was feeling it. <laughs> and the world can see it. If you look at his Twitter profile picture right now. Our Twitter know. our Twitter profile. I posted the video on our Twitter profile. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about your profile picture you changed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Too. <laughs> yeah that is my profile picture <laughs> oh man. All that confidence was immediately shot down though because uh i got i got grifted this past week Uh-oh. i haven't told you about that yet no i got a text over the week from uh the anytime fitness in lakeland georgia which is where i live and they're like we're doing this crazy thing for six weeks you can get a gym membership free of charge if you come in and try to change your life we'll set you up with a personal trainer uh, nutritionist, da, da 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 just sign up and make your appointment time. So I did. I signed up. I was like, it's a hell of a deal. So I signed up, set my appointment time for Saturday at 11 o'clock, right? She, the lady, which is the uh, manager of the gym, I'm guessing, she texted me. It's like, hey, we don't have any appointment. We don't, we can't, we're not open at 11 o'clock on Saturday, which is weird because that means it's not any time fitness. But I digress. It's like, is there any way you can come in earlier? And I was like, yeah, I could come in at eight o'clock. So I got there at eight o'clock in the morning on time, which is rare. And I texted her. It's like, I am here. Where do I meet you at? Because the door is locked. And she just texted me the address of the gym. I was like, okay. <laughs> so I texted her again. I was like, well, uh, I'm here and I'm just going to sit in my car and wait for you to show up. And I have no idea what this lady looks like. I've never seen her in my life. So I don't know who she Some lady comes up next to me and goes in the gym. I just think it's like a lady that works there because she had a key fob. Excuse me. And... I watched her come back out and she goes into the Piggly Wiggly, which is next door. So she goes into the Piggly Wiggly and then she comes out and I see the back of her shirt. She has a shirt on. It says coach. Oh, I'm like, Oh, okay. This is probably the lady. So I just walk in the gym and I was like, Hey, are you Julie? And she said, yes. So I go and I was like, Hey, I'm Dalton. I was supposed to be here at eight o'clock. She was like, Oh, okay. So we go over everything. And she gives me a body scan, takes my height, takes my weight. And Technically, for a five foot eight man, I am obese. What? I've yes. met you in person. That's that. <laughs> that's a bunch of bullshit. I weigh two hundred and five pounds. I am five foot eight, and technically, according to her, I am obese. So, so all the confidence that I gained from Fourth of July weekend being that crop top is gone. <sighs> no, that and fucking so, scale's just broken. That that stupid BMI <laughs> thing. <laughs> so. We start talking and she's like, okay, well, what days did you come in here? And I give her days and times so I could come in. And she's like, okay. So she gets like, all right, this is what the total cost would be, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I look at it and it's $599 to do this. And this was at the end of the pitch. She gave it to me, by the way. She was like, you can come in here and change your life for $599. And if you lose up to 25 pounds, you can get that $599 back. And I was like, I thought this was going to be free of charge. And she was like, no, 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 you're taking my time. And uh, I'm going to be providing personal training and nutrition advice. And I was like, well, I can't do this. She was like, well, then why did you bother coming in? I was like, I thought it was going to be free of charge. (laughs) (laughs) So I I got grifted and I lost all my confidence. And then after I got home, she sent me a text. She was like, by the way, the next time for future appointments, it'll probably help if you texted here before you just walk in the door. And I was like, I got there at eight o'clock. I texted you here at eight o'clock. You were the one that was fucking late. It's <laughs> like, man, yeah. Uh, well, how, so how long was that over? How five hundred ninety dollars covered? What six weeks? Is that what you said? Six weeks. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna tell you right now. If you lose twenty five pounds in six weeks, 
you you might have some sort of debilitating illness and you should probably go to the hospital that, that is like an unnaturally amount of weight to lose and you like doctors and and a lot of nutritionists and, and dietitians say that you shouldn't really lose more than like three to four pounds a month <laughs> you know so like 25 and six yeah. weeks you're gonna need that 599 back because you you might be dead and so that's, that's all i'm gonna say about that that's fucking hey, insane yeah yeah so uh the the storyline continues of dalton being susceptible to grifts and then i did not see that coming it dalton, took me by <laughs> the whole point of this podcast is to make you see you quit falling in grift holes this is like <laughs> And I actually am now going to start taking it as like a personal failing when someone fleeces you of all of your money or you shave your head bald and join some sort of cult. I'm going to go, I cannot believe I failed him in such a way. I thought we were making progress. Part of it is because he doesn't remember any of the past episodes that we've recorded. (laughs) It doesn't help that I've been drinking in every episode we've ever recorded. I mean, you say it doesn't help. I think it does, but uh, you know, just in, just for different reasons and different other different ways. <laughs> oh man! So yeah. uh, I hear that we're uh, oh, uh, brother Austin. We are in here. We're here to talk to, to lay, you in the spirit, Lord. Lay in some hands. Spirit. We're going to talk about an evangelical preacher, Lord. We're going to talk about a man of God. We're going yeah. to talk about somebody that's going to change your life forever. Someone that you've already figured out his name, even though I told you it a couple hey, of days Allen, ago. motherfucker. Oh, you got it! Yeah, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> what well, color me surprise, brothers and sisters? <laughs> uh no yeah we're gonna we're gonna this is gonna be kind of a, the first of a two-parter so we want to we want to kind of go back into peter pop off the fucking jesus clown land uh and look at some really early influences on him and his kind of style of grift and i love stories about televangelists and preachers and revivalists and things like that so we're gonna dip our toe back in here this is definitely gonna be a theme that is going to go on again and again and again and we're going to deal with a lot of these guys and we're going to deal with you know this world because there's just so many players and they all have different variations on the same scheme but i just thought you know let's go let's get a little history lesson you know and let's establish a base and we're going to t- you know and then we'll take it from there and we can we can keep going and talk about some more modern ones some of the guys that are still going right now um later on down the road that's okay no 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 how's your week how's your week <laughs> It's, it was good. It's good. I've been. Um, I, I started rewatching uh, Deadwood with our uh, friend of the show, Charlie Butters. Oh, really? And How's that going? I love that show, and I forget how much I like that show. But Charlie Butters has just absolutely annihilated me in terms of the pace of watching this. I don't know uh, if I've ever show. heard of it. It's great. It's a uh, HBO show from a while back. Gosh, fifteen years ago. Let's see, something like that. Uh, set in the. Um, the out west in the um, Deadwood territory, and what is I believe it's in Montana, but it is it's a it's a, it's a ton of fun. The acting is just incredible. It's dirty. It's filthy. Like you watch an episode and you're like, I need to take a bath because it's just like there's just mud and pig shit everywhere in this thing. It <laughs> sounds right up my alley. <laughs> it's really good, but the the way it's written and the dialect is just really impressive. It's just they they speak. It's almost it's not shakespearean but it's very poetic you know sort of in the way that they they speak and they and they there's so much profanity but the way that these characters use the profanity is is impressive you're like you know what sometimes you hear somebody swear or cuss and you're like that guy's a really really good cusser (laughs) 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 he just like sometimes somebody will say something be like 
oh man that was good i really liked like this is your art and you know like bob ross had paint and you got swear words and that's, <laughs> that's the way I feel. so yeah so it, it went on for three seasons i'm not sure that i ever actually finished all three seasons and then they brought him back recently for a movie which i know i didn't because i have been wanting to rewatch this for a while so charlie was let's do it and i'm like okay and then the last two weeks of my life happened and it's been on pause but i'm gonna get back on because i really like the show all right right on man it reminds me of uh, what you described. It reminds me of Hell on Wheels. It was the FX show that were, took place in the Wild West, and then I didn't see that. It covered uh, the Union Pacific, uh, like building the railroad to, railroad to the West, and it's really good. Just like outlaw shit everywhere, and fucking like this dude's like working for the railroad, but he's also off like saving people, and like it's I don't know, I can't describe it. Good, but it's good. Just trust me, it's good. Right. Go check out Hell on Wheels. It's on Netflix. Last time I checked. But yeah, good show. Nice. Um, all right. Should we jump into this? All right. Yeah, we're going back. The power of Jesus compels you, brother. It's my very happy privilege at this time to present to you the man that God has raised up and anointed with a dynamic, supernatural, miracle working ministry, a ministry of commanding faith. A ministry that has let this man speak the word for thousands of people around the world. Ladies and gentlemen. God's man of faith and power, world-famous evangelist, A.A. Allen. So, yeah, so we're talking about A.A. Allen. And I think the only reason that you remember this is because I asked you about G.G. Allen. Yes, And I said not to be confused with G.G. Allen. And they are very, very, very different people. But, you know, as I was (laughs) like... I won't say. (laughs) But here's the thing, Dalton. They have a lot in common. It was surprising. And a lot of not good stuff necessarily in common. Like, they both had... uh, G.G. Allen, for anybody that doesn't know, was a, a... punk rocker um in the 80s and 90s um but very they, uh infamous punk rocker who, very uh, infamous love to strip naked on stage uh defecate himself on stage yeah. throw said defecation into the crowd while he's performing he cut himself he yeah just a uh, really wild and out there guy well I, a lot of that too probably comes from and not making excuses gg allen but uh, he's dead and uh but he and A.A. Allen actually both came from really shitty childhoods, which is a, seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of this stuff. Um, little you know, uh, he, footnote, G.G. Allen's birth name is actually Jesus Christ Allen. Yep, and his dad was a... In, it sounds like a very mentally unwell man, but also a fanatical Jesus freak. I'm not, I'm, I think that's the most appropriate thing. And like threatened to murder, suicide his family. Like there was all kinds of crazy stuff that happened. But anyway, they both had a really terrible, I don't think A.A. Allen's was as traumatic, but everybody handles trauma different. Um, they both were heavy substance abusers throughout their entire lives. Um, both of them were just incredibly like charismatic i mean in kind of in their own ways but like they were both very big on attracting crowds and fan bases and followers and things like that and i think that that's something that people like that can share even if their audience are very different um they're both really kind of just this i, I actually kind of frame a allen as being a little bit of a like a punk streak for when he was when he was around which is like the 50s 40s 50s and 60s so he's definitely he, he's kind of doing things his own way. He's got a real rebellious nature to him. He's got kind of a, you know, a fuck you attitude. And I think this old school Pentecostal package, which is bizarre, but I kind of like it. And ultimately, you know, spoiler for the end of it, they both end up succumbing to their addictions, um, you know, in a pretty similar way, both, you know, by themselves. 
uh, with their with their particular drugs of, of choice. So I thought that was interesting that it didn't, and they have nothing to do with each other. You know, I looked into, it went back in, and I've, I I know a good bit about Gigi Allen, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, I, did, I didn't remember where his name came from. So I was like, that's weird that there's an that's A.A. Allen and a Gigi Allen. And nothing they have to do very with each similar other. life stories. Yeah, that's, that's the surprising thing too. But I also think that that's a pretty carbon copy for a lot of these, you know, traumatic childhoods. They make up for it and they, they get big. They have all these accolades and these attentions, but at the same time, they can never actually deal with the issues that they were, they were originally struggling with. Like, and that's all a distraction. Here for a good time, not for a long time. <laughs> that's, <laughs> it. that's it. And indeed, I mean, Gigi Allen was like, he was young when he died. Very uh, young. And I did. And you know, again, spoiler, A.A. Allen didn't make it to 60. So they burn out quick. But anyway, a uh, lot less violence with A.A. Allen. I'll say that up front. <laughs> <than there. laughs> They're telling me he didn't fight his followers? It's, no. <laughs> no. Or assault women. Or yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot. Um, so, yeah. So uh, Asa Alonso Allen. A.A. Allen was born in 1911 in Arkansas. Um, came up, uh, he had a rough childhood. Like I said, his dad was a drunk. Um, he was a mixed race child. He was half white, half uh, Native American. And so that in 1911, Arkansas was a pretty tough, tough roll of the dice. His mom didn't live with his dad, lived with a bunch of men, apparently. And so she, she kind of moved around. But the, there was a, a gentleman, a light-skinned black man who kind of raised uh, Alan as his son. Um, and again, just dirt fucking poor. I mean, these people were just had nothing. And, and that trend really continued because you run up in, right after he's born and, and kind of as he becomes a young man, he's right in the middle of the Great Depression. So he's, you know, it's, it's, there's just nothing. And I, I think that there's, there's something that about the Great Depression, I think it made a lot of people really thrifty. You know, you, you like to hear about grandparents and or great grandparents that used to save everything and they never let anything to waste because they came up in the depression. I think there's some of that. And I also think it's like there's another side of it, which is like if you make a little bit of money, you want to make a lot of money, you know. And so definitely it. I mean, we've seen this desire for like accumulating wealth and a lot of people from a, that we've covered so far from a lot of different time periods. But I, I would imagine that coming up in the depression the way he did lent a lot to that. Uh, yeah, a little side note. Um, speaking of the Great Depression, my grandparents were born in the 40s, right after the end of the Great right. Depression. And a lot of what you said rings true with them. But so funny, it's food. They <laughs> hoard food. And like today, I actually went into my grandma. She has a uh, room that's basically her pantry on the end of her house. And I was going through her. A lot of this stuff is bad. Like you need to throw this like it's fire. And she's like, no, I will not. I can still eat that. That is good. I'm like, no. <laughs> She's like, don't want to eat that, some of that the other day. It's okay. I ain't going to throw that away. Never know if I'll be able to get some more. I'm like, Here's the real question. Does she have a Folgers or a coffee can full of bacon grease? Yes. She has. It's not a Folgers coffee can. It's, <laughs> it's, like, Folgers. Uh, it's like this fucking glass thing that whenever okay. she gets done cooking anything with grease in it, she has a paper towel over it to filter it. And mm -hmm. she pours all the grease inside that and she'll yep. reuse it to cook other stuff. Yep. That was my grandma too. That is such an old Southern thing. Grandma I, uses uh, bacon grease for collard greens too. She uh, yeah, some she in her collard greens. Probably puts in everything. 
<laughs> I had some, I yeah, I had some buttermilk biscuits that I made this morning, and I always wonder. I really do always wonder because my grandmother made amazing ones from scratch. And I'm just like, I wonder if she put a little grease in there. Because I swear <laughs> to God, she put it in everything else. <laughs> and it was a Folgers can. I remember that thing. You like you take off the top, and it was white. Anyway. <laughs> So he uh, he grew up again, like I said, hit right into the to the uh, Great Depression, and it, it like his early twenties, he was already a full blown alcoholic. I mean, he just was an absolute. Um, by his own accord, he said, "By the time I was twenty one, I was a nervous wreck. I couldn't get a, a cigarette to my lip with one hand. I was a confirmed drunkard." So he's not doing so great right out of the barrel. Um, at twenty three, he was arrested and jailed, and this is the one and only time I think that, or that at least I. Could could find that he was put into jail and just take a wild guess at why he was jailed at 23 uh drunk in public no that actually was a really good guess though that would have made a lot of sense <laughs> no he he got caught stealing corn oh okay okay that's I mean, that was my next answer yeah this <laughs> strong, my strong number two right <laughs> one a one b it's either drunk or corn that's all i do <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it's the Great Depression. That's like the classic Great Depression arrest record. And then it's like, I was just trying to feed my family. Um, yeah, which he it, but, actually doesn't have a family at the point. But uh, yeah, no wife or kids anyway. I mean, he's got his family that raised him. Um, so he got released, wandered around the country, took odd jobs, you know, was just trying to, to rub some pennies together. Um, in 1934, again, he was at the age of 23, he attended a Methodist church um session and he witnessed for the first time in his life a preacher speaking in tongues and this just rocked his world and he decided right there to convert to uh pentecostalism wow so he sees a little mama say mama sama mama saw and yeah. he uh <laughs> yeah and it's weird because it said it was a methodist church but he's very much pentecostal like so i don't oh, know yeah methodists don't do that no but this is I, it might have been the record i was reading might have been gotten it wrong i thought that was weird i left it in anyway but i'm just no that's that's not a methodist thing that is very yeah. much a pentecostal thing oh yeah he's at a church of god baby <laughs> yeah and you know and it's it's you know i think we talk about pentecostalism uh, we're going to a lot i think it's mentioned worth mentioning i mean it is a very american religion it's you know it really catches fire in the early 1900s you know so i mean he's coming into it in the 1930s i mean it's still a it's still a fairly new but very very quickly growing religious movement like i mean it just it is just boomed in that that first you know 20 years or so it's crazy how many churches well, i wonder if it comes from the great depression because people are so desperately getting in touch with god yeah yeah because, because yeah i think there's a lot of that people are really poor and what do they do they turn to something else a higher power right yeah i think that's it i think i think it also was a really rural re religion you know and these these preachers would travel from like small town to small town preaching you know and they would go and they would have like a rotating cast you know like once they set up a church it wasn't just one preacher in that church I mean, they'd have right. other people come through on their way and do their travels and they all a lot of these guys took their turns doing that so i don't know it's, it's an interesting I, i'm not as much of a religious i'm not a religious scholar at all what am i talking about so i don't necessarily well, i have a little bit of life experience with the pentecostal church and right. i've seen revivals come through and have this cast of preachers come through and you know Give a little, little stick. Oh, you're yeah. gonna love this. Then this this whole episode's for you. Oh boy, here we go. 
You hit all, all cylinders. They got the punk rock with Gigi Allen. Got the Pentecostal church. It's almost like I wrote this episode for you. This is oh, this is my Austin. love letter. Like my love letter to my podcasting partner, Dalton. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you, were so, you were so welcome. So a couple years later, he um, he actually has become a, a, a minister, and he finds himself in Colorado, and he he is now the minister to small church in Colorado. Um, he becomes yeah he becomes officially ordained as an assembly of god minister during his time there you know about the assembly of god um no not really i went to a church of god okay so i think it's I, i think it's the same thing assembly of god started in 1914 and it was basically the pentecostals were like hey we're never going to compete with these big religions, right? We're never going to be compete with the Methodists. We're never going to re- compete with, you know, the Catholics. If we're just a bunch of little Pentecostal churches, you know, we need right. to get together and form a bigger organization that you can be registered under and, and join all these churches together. So Is that where the white flag with like the blue square and the cross and the blue square came from. Uh, I know I there's one of those flags flying outside my grandma's church. Maybe. I don't think that's Assemblies of God. That might be, okay. you might, like Church of God, what you're talking about might be yeah. another different organization. But this is okay. the oldest one. And it, it's still, it's still going on. I mean, and it's, it, I think it's the largest one. But, you know, every time you do something like this, there's all kinds of different sects that break off and, and kind of go do their own thing. But, you know, in order to, in order to survive, they start to organize and, and they all link up together. I wonder if they teach them, not necessarily him, but I wonder if they teach preachers when they're going to like preacher school, like, all right, you got listen, act, you got the show, give them a little razzle dazzle, baby. <laughs> I don't think they do. I think you have to, I, I think you have to train like it's serious and then you have to get out there and figure it out on your own. Do you think you know? any, any preachers truly believe like they're up there like sha la 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 to God? Yeah, I do. I, I think some of them do. You know what I think it's like, and then this is going to be our wrestling reference for the day for the episode. I think it's like you, when when you hear old wrestlers talk about their first match and they go into it and they don't realize that it's it's um, work. Yeah, that it's a work. They think it's real, and they they actually go out there and they try to get in a real fight, and they don't realize that it's you know choreographed and there's I there's damn something up, brother. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so I think that's what it is: is they get out of the school and they've had all these like they get out of not. I mean, some of them are schools. There's colleges being set up, you know, later on. But they get out of this and they get into the real world, and they're like, "This is this is real." And then they sometimes like, "Hey, buddy, let me let me let me let me let you in on this." But I'm smarten you up real quick. Smarten you up. But I also think that like I mean I don't want to go too far down this road, but I will say I think that for some it is just a job. You know, I right. think that there's a difference between uh, there's a difference between people who might have their doubts, but they need the income, like the job, and then there's a difference between people like Peter Popoff. And that who are, who are actually like actively exploiting people you know See, my my belief goes on that subject goes from like uh what do you call it there's different sects of christianity help me out there's pentecostal cat catholic yeah, uh, protestant baptist. baptist i believe that the different sects like their preacher probably it's more easy to believe that they think it's real than other ones like protestant preachers have a hard time thinking they believe it's real because of all the showmanship that's involved with it right you got the you got the tongues you got the uh the falling out whenever christ touches you and you fall out you got the spirit getting in you with you running around the pews and hopping over pews and stuff like you know it's hard for me to believe that they're not in on the act well but if you go to a southern baptist church when if the preacher's just up there preaching you know, it'd be easier for me to believe that he actually believes in what he's saying. 
Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I think that one thing you see with again Pentecostalism is that it is such an American religion. Like we love showmanship. We love yeah, flair. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and Southern Baptist is 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 part of the Baptist, you know spinoff but southern baptist is also a very american thing you know you just see like these you see these mega churches and it's really hard to not think about all the money that's coming in right you know where it's like catholic has got i mean catholicism has got a ton of problems but you know you don't see priests and like you know pulling up and in bins it's like everything goes to the church and it all goes into you know the catholics have a ton of money and it goes into these old churches i don't know it's, it's i've just never been in a mega church though every church i've ever been in is like max 100 people right and that's right. max my grandma's church had like maybe 25 people yeah these are like old concert things that they turn into just great. no 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 i'm talking about like a fucking one room with like 10 pews right, right, <laughs> that, right. that's that's the churches i've been in you're right um anyway so <laughs> alan <laughs> this is why our podcasts take too long <laughs> i just get off on tangents <laughs> so alan he's in colorado um and he start, begins fasting and praying um and apparently god came to him and he was given a list of 13 things that would cause him to see the power of god in his ministry many of these items focused on total consecration to god and laying down sin god told him if he did all these things he would see healings and miracles i don't believe any of that uh i think he wrote that into his bio much later in life because there's no record of what those 13 things were it's like literally brought up just once by him and that's it there there are no more but anyway, while he was in Colorado, he met his uh, wife, Lexi, uh, who became a really big part of the ministry and the revival and everything. She's definitely his partner in crime throughout this whole thing. Um, or so partner was, in faith. was he still an alcoholic at this point? So I think he probably was an alcoholic his entire life. Um, but okay. he never really admits to it. And the people around him are always trying to cover it up. Um, obviously alcoholism is very, alcohol is very frowned upon on these hardcore Pentecostal religions. So it's, I, that's why he covers it up. You know, he doesn't want to be found out, but I have a feeling that he may have been, he may have been clean or sober for a little while, like around this time, like when he met Lexi, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't last. Right. And I couldn't, there's no way I couldn't tell when he picked it up, when he didn't. And we'll see when we get to the end, even after he dies, people deny that it was alcohol related. That's so crazy to me, man. Like, uh, my preacher used to get full sermons on like the evils of alcohol and how you're not supposed to smoke. And if you, every time you smoke a cigarette, you're sinning in the eyes of God. Yeah. And, uh, my grandma, she smoked for a long time and she would try her best to hide it. Every time we go to the, when we go to church, she would not smoke a cigarette before we went to church and she would wait until we got home and she had a little, what she called her smoking room. She only smoked in that room with the open window. She's like, I don't want the whole house to smell like cigarettes. What she didn't realize is the whole house still smelled like cigarettes. Smelled like cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Hard, Sorry hard, hard to get away from that cigarette smoke spell. Yeah. Um, so they're still poor, right? Middle of the Depression or right after the Depression. And so he, he was struggling in Colorado. And then in 1947, he was asked to pastor a church in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um hmm. How did so that come about? He just threw the um, Assemblies of God. He's part of now this big network. Right. Um, and so they somebody came to him and asked him if he wanted to, to, to leave the church that he was at and come on down there. So It's, it's like, like Christian a, LinkedIn. 
It's it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Networking, baby. It's exactly it. They're like, <laughs> you, would you please accept my my invitation to connect on LinkedIn with Christ? I, I can't even think of a funny thing to say there. <laughs> Godjobs.com. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, Christian Singles. Christian, Christian Mingle. Christian Mingle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is like Tinder for Christians. It says you're not going there to hook up. You just hopefully, you just hope that you'll hold hands. But it's some like spelling of preacher without any vowels in it. It's like P H or P R C H R. Oh yeah, for like a stream name. <laughs> no, like for an app name, you go. Oh, let me hold on. Let me download Preacher and see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. nearby. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's lost me. I know. I could tell you were like, oh yeah, yeah. No, no, that wasn't it at all. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he goes down to he decides Texas is a good place. He wants to start a family with his with his wife. He goes down there. Um, and about this time, he is when there's this whole movement called the voice of healing. And that's when a lot of these these um healers start happening. Oh, you know, no. these guys coming out and being able to heal people and yeah, the anointed hands. oils and the cloths. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all this time. This is when it happened. And at first he thinks it's a joke. You know, he is just, he's, he's really skeptical. He doesn't do this thing. I think, I think up to this point, he's a true believer. I really do. Right. You know, and I, I actually think that he kind of go, goes in and out of, of being a true, I don't know. He's complicated. He's definitely That's not, natural though. That's natural. Even yeah. when I was religious, I went in and out. It's like really yeah. I, yeah. I think so. And I, um, and that's kind of, I, I think he was probably sober around this time. You know, I think that this is, he's still on the path and really abiding by what it is um so he thought it was a joke and then in 1949 he's in texas he goes to dallas to uh attend oral roberts an oral roberts revival you know who oral roberts is right no i do not oh uh, he's like of the modern american religious movement he'd definitely be on the mount rushmore he, oh, okay. he, is, like, he is a big figure and he started out on the revivals has a, a college um you know that that a lot of famous weird um religious people came out of joel olstein graduated oh, from old okay. roberts university kathy lee gifford who used to be on television a lot my great-grandmother hated her because she thought she was the devil and she might be right she graduated <laughs> from oral roberts and my favorite the fucking goblin king of the world uh kenneth copeland also graduated from oral roberts <laughs> oh wow that's uh kind of a murderer's road there they got Right? They they all came out of the <laughs> university. But anyway, Oral Roberts, big figure. He was out doing his revivals and getting a lot of attendance. So Alan finds himself at this um at this revival and is just like transfixed. He's like, This is amazing. I can't believe this guy. Like he's a great talker and he's so what do you hands. think it was? Was it the like did he see the showmanship and that's what he liked, or did yeah, he I see think, the money flow? I think it was both honestly I, th- I i feel like this was a really big moment for him you okay. know i think that he was just like oh this is what i need um it's also he you know i think he started he's he think he's always trying to think of like his next gig and step and he just sees the next moment like jump into from where he's at right um yeah i think i think that he saw it as hey let's this is this is this is more in my my calling this is something that i could i can get behind um 
yeah, he's, he, you know, he was immediately after this, he was like, I can't do these small churches anymore. I need to hit the road. You know, I need to be under a tent. I need to be a tent revivalist. This is what I want to do. And th- and so this is, yeah. And this is like when he like br- starts to break away a little bit. He's he's still part of the Assemblies of God. So he's still within this big network. Um, but he resigns from his, uh, his church. Um, he was like ready to go. He had actually also thought earlier he'd, he'd wanted to get into radio. He was like, I want to start a radio ministry while he was at his church in Texas. He asked the church and they denied him. And so I think he was a little, I think he was a little hurt already with his, his right. the church that he was in. And then he see that combined with um, watching Oral Roberts at a revival. He was like, I'm done. I can't do this. So he hits the road and he's, since he's still part of Assemblies of Gods, he's able to kind of preach at all these different Pentecostal churches around the U.S. But he's also attending revivals and, and taking notes and he's starting to study and he's like, if I'm going to do this, I need to figure out who does what the best and what works and what he thinks he doesn't, doesn't work. So he's, he's, a, he's a student of the game at this point. Um, so yes, he's traveling around the, the, the voices of healing movement has a magazine at this time. It's called <laughs> voices of healing magazine. Very original. Oh, right on the money there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had a huge subscriber base. Um, and it was in 1950, he actually, published the following in the voice of healing magazine so he's actually out on the road he's preaching he's not got a full-blown um tent revival yet but he's he's out there doing healings and, and things like that he this now part of his so he just stick. picked it up he just like all right well i'm gonna try this and see if it works yep yep yeah, and that, then that tells me that it's not he knows it's not real he knows it's not real. If he's just like, oh, well, let me just uh, try to fucking push this guy in the forehead real quick and see what happens. Yeah. Well, there's no moment either, like, other than him seeing Oral Roberts and going, I can do this too. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like you'd have to go, like, the special school for that. Like, right. if you're a true believer, you know, you got to go to, like, uh, tongue school. Right. <laughs> well, so this might explain a little bit, though. Let me just, this is, this is what he says. This is actually what he published in that magazine. He says, although I do not claim to possess the gift of healing, Hundreds are being miraculously healed in the meeting of every known disease or in this meeting of every known disease. I do not claim to possess a single gift of the spirit, nor to have the power to impart any gift to others. Yet in this meeting, as well as in other recent meetings, all the gifts of the spirit are being received and exercised night after night. Okay. Okay. So his, his, his story is I'm not healing anybody, but God is working through me to heal other people. Okay. Okay. Which I, I honestly think a lot of those guys say that, where they're like, it's not me, I'm just a conduit. Right, but I'm trying to give a fair shake here. You know, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to come in open-minded and just yeah. see where he goes. Yeah. Well, so he's, you know, he the, the, he kept writing for that magazine. He was a really big contributor over the years, uh, over the next few years. And I think this is only interesting to note in, because there's going to come a point very soon in the story where he's absolutely a turn against all forms of press. Okay. Absolutely despised the Never press. Never a good sign. Right. Right. <laughs> like he's like never a good no <laughs> no press. And it kind of goes to extreme measures too to to avoid the press. But um so now he really starts to figure out how to start a tent revival because that's his ultimate goal, right? He's been hopping around the country, studying preachers, doing healings on his own in these like smaller churches. And so he finally in the summer of nineteen fifty one, he goes to get the tent. Problem is he doesn't have all the money. The tent that he purchases is eighty five hundred dollars. He's got fifteen hundred dollars in cash and he agrees to pay the seven thousand dollar balance at the rate of a hundred dollars per show. 
So now he's got to okay. do it. Now he's right. now he's no choice. He's got to get out there. He's got to make money. He's got to put on the revivals. He has to pay this 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 back for the for the tent that he's got. And so he's often often running. I mean, he is just he works his ass off. And I will say that about him. He is he is someone that even though I think later he becomes a bit of a grifter, and you can argue that all of this tent revival stuff is a big grift anyway. Right. But you know he's he's busting his butt, man. He doesn't he doesn't slow down. He's on the road all the time with his revival. You know, setting up spots and staying there for a few days to a week, moving on. But it goes back to what we constantly say, right? None of these guys are lazy. Like no. none of them are. You know, they're going to work hard to take your money. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, well, imagine if they were like working hard at something else, you know, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, I'm gonna work hard to cure cancer, you know, like work this hard to do something that would actually benefit a lot more. You know, not to get political on here, but capitalism doesn't breed that mindset. Like it, it breeds like you have to get as much money as you can before yep. you die. Yep. And yep. that's and the, the reason we have so much more grifters than we do scientists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, God, that's really terrible, but true. hundred percent accurate. Um, God, yeah. Um, did I just did no, I give you a revelation? Just, no, it was just, <laughs> they, you're right. It was just depressing. That's all. Thanks, Dalton. <laughs> um, yeah, so he was he was basic, he was based out of the, the west. I mean, he was traveling all over, but he was really hitting up the west pretty hard. So, like Texas, Arizona, California, and he was getting on, he was getting into. Ha- pandering really obviously pandering is probably the easiest thing to the latin american population like he's really really that was one of his big targets early on check two uh taking advantage of minorities here yep. we are it looks like looking like a grifter me pal yep yep <laughs> um by 1955 he's actually broadcasting on 17 latin american radio stations compared to only being on 18 in the u.s so mm. I mean, this is a guy who was like this is a this is an audience that i can exploit or save whatever you want to look at it uh that not a lot of people are targeting so he was taking trips down to uh, mexico he went to cuba i mean he, he was really he was kind of in the thick of it and i'm I'm, yeah. I'm starting to think from what i could find there weren't a lot of other american preachers doing that so he was like here's a market we corner it yeah he saw vulnerability yep. and from the eyes of his audience i'm like all right well this is the only american man giving us a chance and coming down to visit us so of course they're gonna give him his their undivided attention yeah well and this there's i mean he's also just incredibly charismatic there's actually a lot of video of him even early as as early as he was around there's a lot of film that you can find a lot of stuff on youtube of him so you can actually watch him Mm. he's good he's really good like he's a very captivating personality and he doesn't he's not over the top i mean he i think as they've as they've mutated, these guys have become more and more like cartoon <laughs> characters. But he's he's not there. Like this is definitely you can tell. This is the base that everybody else can build. So he's on. not like a pop off throwing canes across the room, and he he does a little of that. But he's not like in personality wise, you know. Gotcha. Like pop off is like ah, screaming and ah, la, la, rah, and he doesn't do that. He's a little bit more on brand, on message, you know. Like he doesn't. Okay. It doesn't feel like he only has about twenty verses memorized. It feels like he probably actually knows. His, his scripture pretty well right um and then hits a point but yeah he's he again he's like the jumping off point for all these other fuckos he knows the word of god brother he knows he knows the scripture <laughs> he's an interesting guy i will say that there's not a lot of stuff out there about him but he's a very interesting guy so now we're in 1955 and things take a really bad turn for 
him at the moment, which I actually think okay. it turned out to be a good turn. He's in Knoxville, Tennessee. He gets popped for drunk driving. Oh, no. Bad, uh, bad, bad. Comes back to get him. Yeah. And he's, you know, I mean, this is a guy who was like an old timey Pentecostal preacher. I mean, even if some of the other priests, or priests, that's Catholic. If some of the other preachers had kind of gone a little lax, not Alan. Alan was still hellfire and brimstone. He was still up there preaching about women wearing too short of skirts and like that. So this is a really bad look. And the local press was all over it because was he got exposed right yep. you know? yeah that's it they love that so alan comes across he's he told one associate that he had been kidnapped and knocked unconscious and that when he awoke he said <sighs> that he was in a smoke-filled room and somebody was pouring liquor down his throat <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> this is so outlandish now you're drunk and a liar <laughs> so he's he's mad he's mad rather than fight the charges though he just pays the fee and gets out of town but he this is really something that sours him on the press i mean he was just like he was furious that anybody would cover this and that they would call him an alcoholic and he said it wasn't his fault and he had a bunch of different excuses for why he was pulled over drunk but he was like That's what these no. people do though they do they do stuff that they know is wrong and then they make up excuses yeah. instead of just facing the music and own it up to it yeah yeah, no. He starts that whole shit where I'm like, I'm being persecuted. I'm being by the ministry's being persecuted. <laughs> They're trying to censor me. Yeah, exactly. That's they don't pull that shit. So he's mad. And this is when he has a falling out with the assemblies of God. And he resigns from there, mm. which is actually probably one of those like, you can't fire me, I quit, because yeah. I think they were about to kick his ass to the curb because it made them look really bad. Right. So he resigned. It's a nasty divorce. He is not happy about it. He is not happy with them. Whoa, 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 whoa. divorce. Well, no, I meant from the Assemblies of God. Oh, okay, nasty okay, breakup. Okay. between because he'd been with them for um, almost 20 years at that point. He'd be a member and he is fucking hot about it. He does not right. like it. He's very bitter. And so he's now really he's he's out on his own you know he, they they were like somebody's a god was like we're done with you we'll pretend like we're still friendly with that's you. what these people do though right these people have these demons that come back and follow them and then the religious organization that they're with throws them to the curb like yep. they're trash instead of trying to help these people yeah so he's fucking big mad at them yeah so, so the and, and you're gonna see this played over and over again he's big mad at the assemblies of god and he's big mad at the press and these things last the rest of his life. He just, these are like two, like, I, I, I mean, I never heard him talk about the devil, but I would imagine those are probably his top three, you know, like big mad. Right. And like, I've seen this happen before, like in person, not y'all from another tangent, but here we go. Uh, the church I was in, I was little, there is a pre uh, the, the preacher there was a man named Bob Holland and his wife was Miss Laquita. And like preacher holland was a good dude he was a good dude i don't care i don't know if he believed in what he preached but he was a good dude like i got in trouble when i was younger and i had to do community service and i would just like hey preacher you mind if i work at the church and he was like yeah but i don't mind and he would help me out or stuff like that he always helped my grandparents out it's just a good dude well his wife had surgery eventually and after surgery they gave her painkillers and she got addicted oh, to no. the painkillers and she will show up in church high as kite speaking in tongues, you know, laying hands on people, like slobbering, as high as I'll get out. And instead of helping him, the church voted to kick him out as the preacher. And when they kicked him out, he had to give up his house, which was technically owned by the church. And he had to go live with my grandparents for a few months while he was getting back on his feet. So instead of helping them, like you would think a good Christian church would do, they abandoned them. 
and just threw them out to the curb. And I think that was like one of my little awakening moments when I was younger. It's like, well, this is all a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> like they're fucking hypocrites. We're not trying to help people. As soon as they see an imperfection, they just throw them out. Yeah. Yeah. They cover their own asses. Unlike the Catholic church where you can do pretty much anything and they never throw you out. So that's, <laughs> they just, they, they hide it and they move you to another church. So that's a very different reaction. That same situation. <laughs> Neither of them are good. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's gotta be something in the middle. Like <laughs> one extreme to the other. So I'm starting to feel a little bit of sympathy for A. Allen. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> now things are going to get fun. Now he's on his own. He's truly independent. He's not associated with the, you know the the voices um of healing he's not associated with the assembly of god he is truly independent and he starts up his his revival is now called the miracle revival fellowship and that is where he's going he is um he announces in 19 or 1956 which is a year after the accident that he's constructing a brand new headquarters for eighteen thousand dollars in the middle of texas and he's just ready to go oh man Um, up and at him yeah and this is when he starts to get a little bit more outrageous he's like outrage that's gonna draw some attention i'm going i'm going buck wild and he's pissed off at this point right he wants, he wants, he wants to prove a point this is when he gets that fuck you punk rock thing going. You know, he's like, fuck oh, yeah. the press and fuck the, the Pentecostals. <laughs> but it, it's weird because at the same time, he's still like old school fire brimstone Pentecostal preacher. You know, like it's it's weird because he's like a harder lined on the, the on the religious stuff. But he's still kind of like, you know, fuck all my haters. <laughs> it's right, very right, right. strange. He, he's, he's without the organization, but he's still very much a Pentecostal. Oh yeah. He's hardcore, but he's he's still, but he's real, real mad. (laughs) These guys. Um, So he, he quickly establishes his own magazine to rival uh, voices of healing. He calls it miracle magazine. These guys in their fucking titles, man, they can't get this. These are so boring. Alliteration, man. MM. You know, yeah. his name, his revival is called the Miracle Revival. He goes to Miracle Magazine. I'm like, really? Like, it's branding. Yeah. He makes, I know. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. So, and then he goes off on this tear because now that he's got his own publication, he can, he can say whatever he wants oh, and okay. initially within the first year alone he had two hundred thousand paying subscribers so he was getting the word out very quickly wow and the guy was busting and you got to think two hundred thousand. that's a lot of people but also how many different towns was he hitting you know like he'd get if you could get a thousand or i mean some of these revivals were like ten thousand people two thousand people in this tent and half of them subscribe to your magazine you know you hit you do that enough around the country you can get those numbers up pretty quick that's a lot of money like even if we're talking like 1940s 1950s money like say they're paying a quarter a month for this magazine that's still twenty five thousand dollars a month that he's bringing in that's a lot of money money. yep and so what kind of content are you getting here we go this is what he i'm assuming this isn't a hustler huh I'm assuming this isn't a hustler. You're talking about content. <laughs> no, no. This is this is this is him talking about the um, the fact that uh, denominationalism is a sin. Denomination. That's the word I was looking for earlier when yes. I was talking about the sex. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, denominationalism yeah. is a sin in Alan's mm. book. He said revivals are almost a thing of the past. Many pastors and even evangelicalists declare that they will never try another one. They say it doesn't work. They're holding Sunday school con- uh, conventions or 
teacher training courses and social gatherings. With few exceptions, the churches today are learning are leaning more and more toward dependence on organizational strength and natural ability and denominational methods, end quote. They no longer expect to get their increase through the old-fashioned revival altar bench or through the miracle working power of God, but rather through the Sunday school. So he's like... So all he's saying is these pussies are getting soft. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what he's saying. He's like, y'all motherfuckers are getting soft. I'm still out here sweating under a big-ass tent. <laughs> if you want to go to church with a bunch of bitches, yeah. you can go do that. But if you want to come out here with the real men, you'll go get under this tent and you'll pray, brother, and you will yep. pray. And he's got a chip on his shoulder, and this happens for the rest of his life. I mean, this is like, this is him. He's pissed off. He's not going to some fucking church. He's not going to settle down. I love this guy. Right? (laughs) I mean, there's going to be some stuff coming up that's going to make you, this going to drive you bonkers. But right now, I'm like, God, like, I'm fucking cheering for this guy right now. I was like, get on out there. (laughs) I don't believe in anything that you're saying, but you know what, man? I like the attitude. And that's that punk rock Gigi Allen bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just keeps going. He keeps grinding. He's big. He's bad. He's, 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 he's got a really intricate organization. A lot of people working for him. So around this time, another healing preacher uh, and a rival of Allen's, his name is Jack Coe, had been involved in a massive scandal. Uh, in 1955, uh, at a revival service in Miami, Florida, it's a fucking Florida story, hmm. um, Coe told the parents of a three-year-old boy that he had healed their son of polio. Coe then told the parents to remove the boy's leg braces. However, the boy was not cured, and <laughs> removing the braces left him in constant pain. As a result, Coe was arrested uh, in February of 1956 and was charged with practicing medicine without a license, which is a felony in Florida. Hmm, I feel like that'd be a, a good charge to get a lot of people with. Just wait. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A judge dismissed the case on the grounds that Florida exempts divine healing from the law. Huh? Yep. If he claimed to be a divine healer, he could get away with pretending to practice medicine. That's a pretty big loophole they got there. Yep. That's fucking Florida, dude. <laughs> Listen, man, if you want to come to the real land of the free, you'll hop over to Florida. Ron DeSantis, America's governor. <laughs> so he's out. Um, Co's health really takes a, a terrible turn. And within a few months, he's dead. He was dead at the age of 28. Um, but almost immediately, Alan swoops in and makes an offer to buy Co's tent. <laughs> Because he wants a bigger, he wants a bigger tent, and at the time, Co had a tent that sat twenty two thousand people. Whoa! So he's getting big. He's going big. That's a big tent. Yeah. So he's he gets in there and he sweeps in and he buys that tent. Um, and and this is just like there's stories like this where like the field of these guys is really narrowing, and it's starting to be like Alan is one of the last of that old breed. You know, they're all setting up, and he does this too. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Like where they're they're all setting up like schools and, and training seminars and things like that. But like he's still like I'm gonna hit the road. I don't care what else I got going on. I'm gonna keep on the road. So huh. yeah. Um, and yet, you know, like he, I, I couldn't find an Alan comment on this, but like in 1957, Billy Graham held a week long crusade at Madison Square Garden here in New York City and managed to attract 2 million people to go to this week long crusade. My God. Right. But at the same time, I'm thinking Alan's going, the motherfucker sold out. <laughs> He's out there in a the, the fancy Madison Square yeah. Garden. New York City playing the stadium tour. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking Aerosmith. <laughs> 
I mean, I just, I just, there's something about it. And maybe I've just humanized this guy way too much in my head, but he's just like, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. You got to put in the work. <laughs> His motherfucker thinks he's guns and roses up there. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, he, he did claim to heal. And I want to talk about some of his hate, the healing and, and some of the other wild stuff that he kind of got up to. Um, you know, he used to say this is this was like this selling point to get people in. And he did have advertisements. He did have uh, TV spots that he would run. We were really low, low five. Everything was black and white back then. And he was on the radio right. a little bit to advertise. But he was never that was never really his thing. His thing was going to towns and being in person, you know, so he wasn't focused on buying as much time. And that actually wasn't even a thing because there were only a few channels at that point. But he used to say, see, here, actual miracles happening before your eyes. Cancer, tumors, goiters, disappear. Crutches, braces, wheelchairs, stretchers, discarded. Crossed eyes, straightened, caught by the camera as they occurred in the healing line before thousands of witnesses, which... Okay, they there were cameras, but they didn't catch all the right. stage mumbo jumbo. And he was also handing out those prayer cards, you know, that Popoff did, where it's like, put your name down, what ails you, and then he'd the cards. And he didn't have the microphone because that technology didn't exist. Right. But Popoff took that, and a lot of these took guys that were and doing made it better. Yeah. yeah, took it and made it better until he got caught. Dude, listen, if I were religious, I don't want to like like uh, praise this guy too much, but if I were religious, this dude be right up my alley. Like that's the kind of shit that I enjoy. Like even like everything from my music to like the wrestling, I enjoy. Yeah. It's very much like go and see it in person. Yeah, type yeah. thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and uh, and he's it's really important too because he was a he he put a lot of music into his revival, which made it very different than a lot of other people. Like he'd had a big choir, and he he was a, he was musically inclined himself. So that but music was a big part. So it was really like a show. Like you'd go and you'd spend most of the day there. Um, now, according to him, he would claim that um, fireballs would encircle the tent on the outside, so they'd be circling around the tent. Which was... what? <laughs> <laughs> Can't they just like peek out and see that's not happening? No, it was just happening above, man. They were just circling around. That's what he was claiming, and he said that he also um, that a bloody cross would appear on his forehead when he was in the middle of it, like it just show up on his forehead. Um, and what, that... did that happen? No, I don't know. There's no proof that it happened. This just sounds like stuff that he would say to hype people up because he was coming to their town. Well, but when they go in the tent and see there's no bloody cross on his forehead, then they're going to know. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's not about what you say. It's about how you say it. I guess. What do we say on the show? Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's it. It's a story. It's a story to get people to come. He also said, this is the weirdest one, that he claimed that oil would begin to drip from himself and those in attendance. Like they would all start like sweating this oil and he would just take it and, and he would rub it all over people. Brother, you're in the food. South. You're not sweating oil. You're sweating bacon grease. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually probably the easiest one to debunk. It's like, right? you're just sweaty. That ain't oil, man. You're just sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> and you're under a tent that got no air conditioning it's <laughs> just hot <laughs> um and even though he even though he claims that like the cameras were always there they didn't catch any so right be your own judge so once he bought that big twenty two thousand seater tent he didn't need his other one i think his old one was uh was around ten thousand no maybe less than that anyway he didn't need his other tent so he decided to cut it up into a thousand pieces and sell them to his donor donors so uh, you, you got can, in the merch game yes this is it he's getting into it he called them the prosperity <laughs> he called that church the, the tent cut up he called it prosperity cloths and it was a hundred dollars for each of them fuck me that That's was a lot a, of money that was a quick way to make a quick way to make a hundred thousand dollars right there holy crap yeah. like 1940s 50s money too 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was like, he'd give away, like he was saying that his, his healing power was so potent that it would like be absorbed into the tent material. <laughs> he would also, he would also, he would also sell like wood chips and dirt from the floors or from the ground where he'd set up his revival saying that like, they, selling everything they, get a hold of. they would absorb his healing power. And so he would sell that too. <laughs> all I'm imagining is somebody like buying that dirt and just like rubbing it all over their body oh yeah um he this is another quote from one of the stories i read he said the the reverend displayed demons in glass mason jars sealed up uh safely and looking very very dead alan told the faithful that those preserved specimens might look to some insensitive unbelieving folks like ordinary toads snakes and spiders but they were actually diseased demons the faithful believed and marveled. So he just caught a frog and put it in some embalming fluid. And so that was a deep man. Like, come and, on. He had, and he had a, they, like they would travel with him. So he had them all set up in the tent and it'd be like going to scare the kids. Be like, these are all the demons that I've pulled out of people. And he goes, I don't know. That looks like a snake, but that's a demon. God, this dude, man. I, I admire the hustle, but man, what a grift. Oh, well, it's getting better. Uh, in addition to all of this, and I don't, I hesitate to say he was the first, but he's the first I can find that actually actively sells miracle healing water. No. Yep. Oh, man. So Papa, I've got all his stuff directly from this guy. Yep. That's incredible. That's crazy. It is. It is. It's absolutely. It's like you can pretty much draw a direct line from Popoff to, uh, or from A.A. Adams, A.A. Allen to Popoff. Yeah. No, it's, this is, and it's going to get, it's going to get even crazier. But yeah, there's definitely a direct line. Alan was saying of his his miracle water that he, um, quote, people are being healed instantly when they sip it as an act of faith. So there was no, he had no 800 number or anything like that. I mean, he was selling them at these revivals. And since there were no outsiders allowed in, they were getting away with it. Um, this is another one, a story that I really like that he, another scheme that he started at one point. So in the 60s, he launched a very brief raise the dead campaign. And it was a stunt. It was meant to be a stunt, but some of his followers took him a little bit too seriously and started to refuse the burial of their family members. And a few of them even tried to figure out how to get the body shipped to where Alan would be so he could resurrect. This dude's trying to bring back zombies. So he thought he was just going to do it as a stunt. And then people took him seriously and he had to he very quickly backtrack. And so, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, listen, listen. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Please don't send me dead bodies. Please don't put them in the mail. <laughs> what a fucking nightmare. Yeah. So he had to tell all his followers to obey the law and bury their dead in a reasonable period of time. This He's goes just, back. This is a classic grift, though. This goes back to some Alan Jones stuff. It's like, listen, uh, I want to peacefully, I want to peacefully resist yeah, this. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> like he's like, we got no option. It just means war now. But I'm not talking about violence. You know, I mean, I just mean that there's going to be all out. We'll make three heavy guns, but don't get violence. <laughs> like, <laughs> the literal Christian devil is yeah. at your doorstep. But please, no, <laughs> act within the law. <laughs> instead, it's like there's a body that's caved. So Alan walks all the, says, don't send me dead people. He walks all that back. <laughs> <laughs> he, he says that it's not possible for God to resurrect every Christian who died. And so he was only going to resurrect deemed worthy. So please just bury your dead. Yeah, but how do you deem someone worthy there? I feel like that would piss a lot of people off too. That's uh, God's divine wisdom. I don't know. Whoa, your voice just got like so much better, like okay. leagues better. Like, right. 
<laughs> it's like a brand new man, Austin. <laughs> it's that it's that AC. Um, so yeah, that's that was his excuse. He he was like, please don't send me dead bodies. Um, one thing too to note about this about when he's doing his revivals, he actually hires uh, a team of thugs. And if anybody showed up with a camera or a notepad and looked like a reporter, they were to threaten them until they whoa, left. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. I told you he was really anti, anti-press. anti He would hire goons Holy shit. <laughs> to go and scare off any sort of press that came to his events. I mean, he was really Very isolated. godlike, very Christian-like. Very isolating, also very cult leader. Yeah. Um, so in addition to all that other weirdness and ridiculous thing, he's also given a lot of credit, and you're going to fucking hate this as one of the first prosperity gospel preachers mm, okay love this, it this is a guy he is he is send me your money and you will you will be blessed and you will you will be given gifts and wealth and health so um, you know i automatically hate this person because yep. he, he came along so early he paved the way for a whole bunch of people yep. that we're going to cover in this podcast and that sucks yep because he, he was one of the first right Yep, he was. So Oral Roberts is actually considered to be the first. Uh, he he had a um, what he he called it prosperity theology in around 1947. That's kind of the origins of the modern prosperity gospel. But I mean, like it's been happening forever. I mean, like 1500s. You know, we'll we'll, we'll talk about the Catholic Church doing uh, asking for donations to forgive sins and, and things like that. And so it's been happening forever. I listened to a podcast recently that covered the Black Death with the Black Plague. And there's the Catholic Church had a history in that time of taking donations instead of coming yep. to see them in person. They'll take yep. donations to resolve you. Oh, we, we, we got an episode coming on that. Nice. Nice. Okay. Just, that's going to take me forever to fucking write. So I've been putting it off. So, all right. I wanted to ask this earlier, but I didn't know if it was an appropriate time. So I'll ask now. Were you, whenever you were, were you ever religious to at a certain point? I mean, I was raised Catholic, but no, okay. as soon as I could not Perfect. go to Sunday school, I was out of there. Perfect. Okay. So when you go to confession and you have to tell the preacher's individual sin, is there a kind of catch-all you can tell them? Or do you have to say every individual sin that you made? I think you're supposed to say every individual sin. I only had to do confession once. And it was part of my confirmation process, which when I, when I was like 12 or 13. So I didn't really have much to confess at that point, other than maybe like fighting with my little brother. I mean, okay. there, was, there wasn't anything. So masturbation is a sin, right? Yeah. So do you tell the, pre- the priest that you've been jacking off? Oh, sorry, for, sorry, preacher man, I've been jacking off lately. Can you forgive me? I think there's ways of going around that. You know, like okay. there's, there's phraseology that sort of dances. They're like, I know what you're saying without saying it. That kind of thing. Okay. Cause like, I don't know. Cause I've never been to, I've never been to confession. That's gotta be adult. mortifying, right? You gotta say every It's supposed sentence. to be anonymous. That's so uh, personal. That's you mean so per- that's such a way for them to control you? That's exactly what Scientology does. Oh man. Yeah. 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 If I know your sins, I got one on you. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I never thought about that. That's a crazy connection. Yep. I got huh. it. I got some dirt on you. You're mine. Hmm. So anyway. Can you tell them that you've killed a man? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, yeah. They I can't do so. anything? I think it kind of falls into that therapist thing. Wow. Because the, the priest isn't supposed to know who's on the other side, even though they might know. But um, they can tell them. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Like so. if, if I have my eyes closed and you talk to me, I don't know it was you. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh. <laughs> Um, all right, so Earl Roberts, 1947, Prosperity Theology. 
Alan takes it and goes crazy with it because that's what he does. He blows things up. Like he's got, he's like, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to go all, you know, all in on it. And he said, so um, in 1953, so this is just five years after Oral Roberts started doing it, he published a book called The Secret to Scriptural Financial Success. And in that book, he talks about um, owing a $400 and print bills so like printing his magazine and his flyers yeah. and everything to go out and he couldn't pay upon praying however the one dollar bills in his pocket suddenly changed to 20s and so this is this is from that that book he said of course some of you do not believe this listen you old skeptic you don't have to believe it because it doesn't... <laughs> he's insulting them for not believing it yes this is <laughs> Yes. I just hear you, son of a bitch. And not even in person. He's just writing this down. This is in a book. Nobody said anything to him yet. No, but he's he's like gonna let him know. He's already mad. He's gonna rage the business. He's mad. He says, Of course, some of you do not believe this. Listen, you old skeptic, you don't have to believe it because it doesn't have to happen to you. But it had to happen to me. I'll tell you why. I decreed a thing. God said, Thou shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. I believe I can command God to perform a miracle for you financially. <laughs> When you do, God can turn dollar bills into 20s. God can turn dollar bills into 20s. That this man is bossing God around. <laughs> God? He's bossing you. He's bossing, but he's bossing God around to boss you around. Like, to to to, to help you. Sorry. But, but it, I'm sorry. This all-knowing and all-loving God can't, like, help you with your money problems. So I've got to, like, argue with him. Be like, hey, listen, old man. You better. Uh. So, in, a, in this, you'll appreciate this turn. So, by the '60s, a lot of other preachers are doing it, and he gets so fucking mad again because he's like, "That was my thing. This is my thing. You guys are stealing my gimmick." Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, in, in 1962, um, he 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 has another rant, and he does another uh, article. And it says, um, this is quote, humbly I tell you this, as reports are reaching my headquarters that ministers all over the country are preaching about the blessing of prosperity. The three things I want you to see are the same things that I've always preached. Namely, first, that God told me he had given me the power to bestow power to get wealth. He did not say it was given to Tom, Dick, or Harry, or just to anyone who says, Lord, Lord, God confirm this. As it caught on like wildfire, and within weeks, it had been confirmed by thousands of times across the He was furious that other people. Oh, I can imagine this this guy like just in a room screaming, It's me! This is me! This is mine! How dare they? So it's he's just a mad, he's an angry dude. That's that's really the thing that I kind of take. He's just mad at so many people. Like, don't fuck with him, get out of his yard. He's mad. Yeah, how much of this is like alcohol's influence also? I think there was a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a drunkenly ranting in this magazine. So now I want to talk about something that's a little complicated. Uh, on the surface, it feels like this is a really cool thing that he's doing. But when you start to think about it a little bit, it becomes obvious that doing this first, and that's right. his race. Um, he, in his television programs, Alan, he made a point of having a mixed audience so not segregated he'd bring in african-american talent to come like musical talent to come perform at his church and he was really like hey uh, you're all the same we're all the same i preach to white people i preach to black people god loves all of us equally and it seemed really kind of radical um he was you know he was not the first to do it, but he did do it early on. Like, give him a little credit. Um, Billy screams, Graham. Uh, Jim Jones to me. Yeah, it is. Jim Jones is very much in that, like, after this. is definitely like, doing that. Great things for the wrong reasons right. category. And, 
Yeah. And I mean, Billy Graham was probably the first. He had done it as early as 1953, um, which was, an, which was like his first revival. And then after Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954, Graham integrated all of his services. Um, and, and, but Alan did it in 1958, not that far after. You got to think there's no internet, news trails, travels a lot slower. And 1958, I mean, the Civil Rights Act wasn't passed until 1964. So he's still a trailblazer and right. he's down south. So, I mean, like he's, he's touring the south, he's going to Georgia, he's going to Arkansas, and he's having these integrated tent meetings. So it's really something. The downside is, is I mean, he's grifting off these, yeah. you know, he's taking their money. He, he sees them as a he's target. He's not doing it to advance race relations, he's doing it because of white people's money spends just as good as white people's money do yeah but he yes yes 100 percent. that's absolutely accurate the one twist on him is that he really does incorporate a lot of it into his gospel like when he preaches he talks about how god doesn't 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 see the difference between black and white and whether that's just greasing up you know the the you know the pockets and and for the for the money that's going to come in because i mean these tent revivals didn't bring rich people he was taking money from poor people that working and poor people like he's not someone that's going to rip off rich people like these tent revivals another thing that capitalism breathes is taking advantage of the working class right because you don't get in trouble for taking advantage of the working class you get in trouble if you steal from rich people you don't get in trouble from poor people and that hasn't changed southern socialist dalton (laughs) coming out again Um, and, and then, so, you know, that was a big thing. So he really pushed it. He, it's, it's part of his legacy as being one of the forefront of, of having these, these integrated audience. And, and I think that, you know, I mean, there's good and there's bad. Um, one of his main attractions actually was a singer, uh, named Gene Martin, who was a, a black, uh, gospel singer. He's very good very talented, but he was kind of like the band leader and, and the, the main singer in, um, in the tent revivals. And I want to put in a clip of Gene singing a song. And this is after I believe he left Alan's ministry and he was kind of his own. It's off of one of his records. We'll put that in the show here. All right. And so now we're going to talk about, we're going to start to, to wrap this up a little bit. Um, I want to talk about what happened to him in 1958. So 1958, we talked a little bit, a little while ago about how he bought that big tent. We also had a, a follower named Urbane Lendeker. Um, I'm sorry. Who, <laughs> yeah. Is that English? <laughs> Ur, Urbane. It's like urban with an E at the end. And then Lindecker. Maybe that's what it is. Lindecker. No, so he was a rancher in southern Arizona, and he donated twelve hundred and fifty acres. So here you can whoa, 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 shitload of land. Yeah. Yeah. So he donated in southern Arizona. He donated twelve hundred fifty acres. Allen came in and bought an adjacent twelve hundred acres and began constructing Miracle Valley, which was his vision. So he's still on the road. There's some other fuckers that cult leader. 
Yeah, a little bit. Like, <laughs> but you like could argue a lot of these guys were like it's. There's a real blurry line between. No, no, no. This is starting a commune. This is straight up a cult leader. <laughs> well, here I'll tell you what it is. So the the sign when you pulled into Miracle Valley said AA Allen Revivals Incorporated, Miracle Valley, Arizona. The blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. Signs, gifts, wonder. And so he would eventually construct this whole like you know mega community that he he was building, and it had. Um, it included an airfield with A.A. Allen's Cessna 150 aircraft, because all these preachers need the private airplanes. Um, he had a record company. He made a ton of records. He produced 47 albums. What was of, the name of his record company? Uh, that I don't know. But you can find the recordings. You can actually find the recordings online. I'm not sure what the name It was probably Miracle Valley Records. It's, everything's like Miracle. I would love to get an A.A. Allen uh, record label. It's just him record. preaching, but yeah, we. we well, but you I mean, I'd like, it'd be something nice to have. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, forty-seven different albums. So he had not only was it the the company, but the label was there, the recording studio was there, and he had a plant that made the record, the albums themselves, so Holy he could go shit. and distribute them. So it was like a full operational thing. Well, twenty-five hundred acres. That's the. Wait, did you say twelve thousand or twelve? Twelve hundred. So you're right. Twenty-five hundred okay. acres. Twenty-five hundred acres. That's a that's the size of a small town. Yeah, like yep. that, that's really big. Well, and in that small town, he had a three thousand seat church. He had a uh, telephone prayer center. So this was starting to get into oh, the telephone age. no. Another line to pop off. Yeah. But this is just early. This is early into that. Um, he had a the Miracle ba- Valley Bible College and the dorms and classrooms were all in there. He had a Miracle Valley Fellowship, which served as a fellowship with about 10,000 members and uh, as that are ministers. So he had 10,000 ministers. I mean, he's big time, right? This big, he's a big you, dude. You cannot tell me this isn't cult shit. He's got a re-education center. All these, guys, got, all these got, guys do. This is what holy shit. This is what Jim Baker wanted to build. This is what Kenneth Copeland did build. This is what Jim Baker eventually built once he got out of jail. Like I feel like this is like incredibly things. dangerous. I like to do. I mean, it, you know, you got your believers. You keep them close. Um, there was a warehouse. There was a bunch of administrative buildings. There was a residential neighborhood called Miracle Valley Estates. Sell houses and property to followers who would live on the estate. Uh, and he had a publishing and printing plant um, that Miracle Valley business manager, Gerald Cream, said in 1969 that the ministry spent $27,000 per month farming out jobs to other print sites. So he's got his own printing press, but he's printing so much material. He still has. To- wow. Um, I will say, uh, so, I mean, this is like his community and actually it lasted until about the eighties, like long after he was dead, the, the, the community changed, like transferred ownership and churches a few times, but, um, yeah, it was, it was around for a long time. Like that was kind of his legacy, right? Yeah. Um, I will say though, the kind of the dark side to this is that Urbane, the, the guy who donated the, the first half, right. um, asked at some point that his cattle be allowed to graze on the property. You know, he's like, I gave it to you. I know you legally own it now, but do you mind if I can, I have grazing rights or can graze my cattle? He was denied. They were like, thanks for the- What a fucking <laughs> asshole. Thanks for the land. See you later. Pat on the butt. Goodbye. Holy shit. That yep. is deplorable. That is awful. Yeah. 
So we'll kind of get into the, we're going to wrap this thing up a little bit. Uh, we're just going to wrap this thing up now. So he's, he's got all this stuff going on. He's hitting the road. I'd say most of the sixties, he was just on the road. He was building his college. I mean, he was just, he just worked. He worked until he died. I mean, that's not a spoiler alert, you know, um, but he outlasted everyone really in the tur- in the tent revival scene. He said once he goes, there are no evangelists left that offer any, uh, offer us any competition. We've got the feel back in the late forties and 50s jack co oral roberts ol jaggers and 200 others you know there were 200 evangelists evangelists all praying for the sick having healing revivals now they're all non-existent and i would say that's really true except for oral roberts oral roberts this is like, cocky as shit yeah he is and he's <laughs> done like anybody he doesn't but yeah i mean oral roberts like we said earlier went on to establish a university that, that has like created the next two generations of biblical and right grifters um so yeah, I mean he's 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 got this just incredible team around him. He's drinking. He's a fucking drunk. They're keeping it secret and keeping the road. Uh, you know, keep him on the road. He's apparently not a very easy guy to work. With. He's got, I would imagine. Yeah, really high turnover. Um, he's got a few people that stick with him. Um, he's got a few like psychotic people. One of the guys that he was really close with um, was uh, would <laughs> he got criticized in like the Sacramento Bee, uh, and then like a week later, the guy who criticized him it was like the editor of the uh, the newspaper died, and this guy who was close to him brought the news to A. Allen laughing hysterically. That was so funny. He's like, "Yeah, you talk shit about this about my boss, you die. That's what happens." And just thought That's it was very funny. So he's got some terrifying. deranged people <laughs> working for him. <laughs> but he also had a really smart team. And the reason I think that he was able to kind of hold it together his life, considering that he was a full blown alcoholic was because he had really good lawyers, which is something a lot of these fucking guys don't have anymore and they get in trouble and they just can't find their way out of it. Um, He would, wouldn't even so far as in his publication, they ran disclaimers on the claims that were made in the publication. So you're reading this, expecting a healer, and this is what accompanies. Utmost care has been taken to assure the accuracy of all testimonials before publication in A.A. Allen Revivals Incorporated, and Miracle Magazine assumes no legal responsibility for the veracity of any such report, nor do they accept responsibility as to the degree or permanence of reported healings, deliverances, or miracles, since the Bible itself declares that for those who do not continue to live for God, even worse things may come. John 5, 4. He's got a legal disclaimer that turns into scripture, but he's smart. He's, 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 he knows put really smart people around you, pay them well, and they'll stick around and keep you out of trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So in 1960, the smart lawyer is going to come and play again. He, uh, the IRS takes away his nonprofit status. Oh, motherfucker. You got to pay taxes now. Yep. And they said that he, um, made they this is now how now how we have these numbers in 1956 he made uh the ministry made five hundred nine thousand dollars in 1957 it went up to eight hundred eighty seven thousand 1958 1.12 million and 1959 1.23 million they were like we're collecting tax that's an insane amount of money in yes. the 50s i know i know so yeah so the the irs comes through 1960 takes you know removes his nonprofit status and like i said the guy's got good lawyers. He's very smart because he like has good people around him. He knows that this is like essential to keeping his operation on the road. In 1963, he successfully sues the IRS 
and no fucking him, way <laughs> and they give him back his tax exempt status and they they drop all the investigations how they, do you do that how do you just get it back you got some sharks man they just no takesy backsies we yeah, learned this shit in preschool takesy backsies like i i don't know who his attorney was at the time but i'm like this is pretty fucking epic that he's just like, nah, fuck you. I'm coming back and I'm going to do this because he's an angry, angry man with a really good lawyer. <laughs> the angriest preacher. The angriest saw. preacher. Like one of the A's in A.A. Allen is angry. <laughs> is it vengeance? One of like the seven deadly sins? Maybe, but angry is not. <laughs> angry. Angry is not. <laughs> vengeance is, yeah, I guess this is actually a perfect example of vengeance, which is like, you take my status away, I'm going to ruin you. Um, <laughs> but uh, A.A. Allen from here on out, known as an angry Allen. An angry hour. <laughs> <laughs> he he's put in the work though. You know, he's he was on um at his peak, he was on 58 radio stations daily, on 43 TV stations weekly. Um, his radio program was heard not only in the United States and Canada, but in several un- other countries, including the Philippines. Um, a clandestine radio station uh, beamed the show into London. London had a real strict controls on, on the radio to that. Um and it beamed it in from an illegal offshore transmitter in the North Sea. Um, he had a staff of about 175 people that handled the mail and publishing business. So, I mean, he's, it's a big operation. And um, the ministry said they had an annual gross of $3.8 million um, towards the end. So, yeah, it, it's crazy. And in, in 1969, I mean, it was impressive. He had sold, to that date, 60,000 records. Um, he was sending out 216,000 mailings every day, daily. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was talking about his, the, the radio stations already covered 58 radio stations. Uh, they cost about $355,000 a year, 43 network TV stations for the half hour weekly broadcast. It's about 163,000, um, 9,000 graduates had passed through his Bible college He'd um, ministered in two major campaign meetings, 10 tent campaigns, and 14 auditorium campaigns in 24 cities in the U.S., as well as two revivals in the Philippines in 19. He was banging along, man. He was, he was getting it done. Yeah. And even though at this time his business was booming, his life seemed to sort of start to fall apart. And there's no specific reason. Um, he leaves his wife this whole time. Lexi had been by his side and he separates her. And a lot of his staff are like, this is concerning because she's a big part of the business. She runs right. a lot. And I think, I think that that is code for he's a drunk and she keeps the show on the road. Mm-hmm. But he seemed to have just, they, they'd gotten separated in 62. And then by 67 or 68, 67, she was, they were divorced. And that's bad too for a Pentecostal preacher. So I yeah, think this is when it so, really, so that's a big no, no. Yeah. It's a big no, no really starts to fall apart. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, she was his business partner and it's just, it's, it was a bad deal. Um, then on July 11th, 1970, this is all coming crashing very soon. This message was broadcast across all the stations that his radio show quote, this is brother Allen in person. Number of friends of mine have been inquiring about reports that they've heard concerning me that are not true people, as well as some preachers from pulpits are announcing that I am dead. Do I sound like a dead man? My friends, I am not even sick. Only a moment ago, I made reservations to fly into our current campaign where I'll see you there and make the devil a liar. (laughs) <laughs> so that was broadcast i love that's, it that's his fuck you that's his punk rock attitude you know 
the but the truth was is as that was going over the radio police were hauling his body out of a hotel in san francisco so how did that happen did he record that and tell them when i'm dead play that he recorded it and no one knew he was dead like the news hadn't traveled that fast it just happened Mm. to be played the same day the police found his body um in san francisco wow and the initial autopsy, he had, well, so he'd flown to San Francisco to see a doctor about uh, the knee pain that he had been having and he'd been suffering from for a lot of his life or f- recently he'd been having a lot of knee pain. Uh, apparently he was on a bunch of pain pills for, for the knee pain, but the autopsy came back as um, a liver, liver damage. His mm. liver failed because right. of this lifetime of alcoholism. But a lot of his followers were like, no, no, no. He overdosed on the pills because he was in so much pain and which is also he heals people. Why is yeah. he dying? Like, right, right, right. Like, like okay, you, you're in such denial about him breaking one of this, like, I mean, and pills are not good in the Pentecostal church. I mean, like, he's, there's so many things that he's doing that go directly against what he's preaching, but they're still in such, like, weird denial about the alcoholism. It's, it's a very strange thing. Um, but he died. He was uh, 59 years old. It's and, ironic how much this happens with these faith healers. It's yeah. like they get sick and they die. And it's like, okay, well, they're out here healing Joe Schmo of his cancer. Why yep. can't he heal himself of his liver damage? Yep. Like, why didn't he know? Yep. So that's A.A. Allen. That's him in a nutshell. You know, I, I mean, really enjoyed that. I hope so. Really I, I liked I liked learning about this guy. And this is kind of part one of two. I've got um, the next episode is going to be really a direct jump off from this episode. I don't want to say exactly how, but that we're, we're going to blast right off. Who is it? Uh, it's a gentleman named Leroy Jenkins. Um, although I've seen him call himself Wait. Le- Leroy. Hold on, like Leroy Jenkins, like don't, that, like the like that guy. Don't ruin it. No, no, not like that. Kind of like that. We're, we're gonna get to it. Wait, do you know what I'm referencing? Yes, I know exactly what you're referencing. What am I referencing? World of Warcraft. Yes. Ah, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> uh, yes, I know exactly what you're. We're gonna Wait, talk is about that, that. The guy whose name he's screaming. Whenever... We're, we're, why are you? Why are you gonna give away the episode? They gotta come in next week and hear it. Don't be giving it away. Uh, I'm, I'm curious myself. Well, I know. This is the whole point. It's I tell you a story and you learn about things. <laughs> <laughs> teach Dalton things. It's the teach, alternate. teach Dalton stuff. Teach the white trash heartthrob how to not get ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good... God, that's such a great like wrestling name. Oh, man. Let's get back to school. So, yeah. So, that's that's it. I mean, I, 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 I parts of me in in the sphere... Okay, so everybody that we've covered so far this guy i would say i hate the you know like pop off i would push out of a moving plane or you know or i'd I'd throw in front of traffic absolutely there's anything sincere about him this guy's got that like fuck you attitude that i like that i think it makes him a lot different you know i mean i I like ponzi ponzi i feel like but yeah this guy's just different i mean i know he was ripping people off that didn't have the means and i really think that's absolutely despicable um but his just general attitude and approach fascinating anyway that's him that's why i wanted to cover him i agree and i would be very curious to see like if it weren't for the alcoholism and the bad upbringing i wonder what he would have been yeah i yeah yeah like pop off i think he was gonna be a grifter no matter what oh yeah, i think like no matter what happened in his life he was gonna take people's money pop off didn't abuse alcohol i mean he's but, been yeah. he's been stone cold sober he knows oh yeah exactly yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's calculated he doesn't need a uh substance to take no. your money no, he just wants that money. But I feel like there's an alternate timeline where A. Allen might have been a little bit different. Yeah. You know what's crazy? When we first started this podcast, I expected to hate everyone we talk about. But nine times out of ten, there's some there's something I like about them. There's parts that you like about them. They're all bad people. Right. Um, maybe not 
Cleo, although she kind of knew it. I don't know. I, she's the most I'm most conflicted about her. There's but a lot I, of shades of gray. Yeah, there's a lot of shades of gray. But I think I don't every. I don't think any of them are genuinely good people. I, I'm going to put Cleo aside. But I, I think that they're all doing very bad things. But there are certain parts of most of them not fucking pop off. And I honestly. <laughs> Honestly, not Trudeau. I really don't like him either. But not Strang. Strang was a pirate, which is really cool. I, I like Strang. But, yeah, I like Strang. <laughs> but I, yeah, there's 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 stuff about each of these guys that you're kind of like, that's kind of that's bold. Like, I mean, go go get it. Like, do you like if you can yeah. if you can go that big and really believe it and have other believe, people believe you too? It's kind of like, Meh, you know, I, I can't blame you. I kind of got to blame everybody else. <laughs> But this episode was like the original equivalent of like a band telling like Sony or Universal Music Group or uh, Warner, like a big record label to fuck off yeah. and then them doing their own thing independently and fucking making it. Yep. And making, like, it, make, do, making it more than they would have on the record label. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I love it so much. Like this yep. is very much in the spirit of like the underground and like punk rock attitude, just it's, like pushing you through. That's that's why I tied the the Gigi Allen thing, and I thought it was like punk rock. It made it made a lot of sense Dude, in the story. Like, yeah, that's it's very much my shit. That's why but, that's why in the next episode, Leroy Jenkins is going to make a lot of sense. <laughs> All right, man. Well, any closing thoughts? Anything you want to say at the end? Listen, I denominationalism is a sin uh and you know what i'm, I'm right there i'm right there with a. a allen saying fuck organized religion and you know I, I don't believe in it i think it's a i think that's that's an even bigger grift than going to a, a tent revival where there's flames circling the outside of it supposedly uh or allegedly i should say um so yeah so you know what whatever you're doing whether it's a pentecostal hardcore preacher or it's a slightly off uh punk rocker on stage just keep that that fucking attitude alive do what you want and do it with gusto and make it count that's my final oh, yeah. thought not one word it's a little do bit whatever weird. the fuck you want do what you do do what you feel right as long as you're not hurting people that's that was it yeah. i was about to say the same thing as long as you don't hurt anybody else you do what you want all right well i have a few closing thoughts to say we owed you, well, I owed you an episode uh, this weekend as we're recording, the weekend of July 10th. And I haven't got it done yet. But as soon as I get uh, the episode done with uh, Alistair Crowley, it will be uploaded in our feed. And I apologize for the hold up. I had some personal things pop up. This week's been pretty fucking bad, y'all. And, <laughs> and I just haven't had time to get it done. He had a hurricane to deal with, folks. Oh, among other hurricane. things among other things yeah yeah <laughs> my life's a shambles but uh yeah i'll get that done i'll get it out to you i apologize and uh when you hear this you know you'll, it'll, but uh we have friends we have check friends. out our fr- <laughs> check out our friends at pod van dam iwtv guide super fantastic wrestling cheers sweet stuff and bitter things hard-headed and x over check out our fucking fuck that up follow us <laughs> we have social media follow us on twitter and instagram at catch my griff pod follow me on twitter at catch dalton and follow austin on twitter at austin agogo uh, oh and we're coming we're, we're working on we've had a lot of requests for youtube so we're, we're working on that oh yeah youtube we gotta take out so uh we'll get on that we'll uh keep the lawyers off our fucking backs christ give me a break and we all right bye guys you have a good day uh tell your mother that you love them unless you hate them and then tell them to fuck off bye (laughs) cheers